This is the Christian Heritage London podcast from London. Well, it's a wonderful privilege for me to be sitting down with George Verwer. How are you, sir? Well, I'm very much rejoicing in God's grace to an old guy of almost 85, and especially that two days ago, March 3rd, was my 68th spiritual birthday. Oh, bless God. Isn't that wonderful? Now, George, you're somebody who has written a number of books. You are a husband and father, and you have started an organization which is called Operation Mobilization, which is a missionary organization which has sent people around the world, telling people about Jesus, and is conspicuous for its substantialness. Yes. Now, where does that come from, George? Well, I love to tell my story. I wasn't from a Christian home, but we had Christian values. Father was a Dutch immigrant. He was a good man. And uh, after my conversion, he came to Christ. Oh, bless God. I had a very happy childhood, so in some ways I didn't need Jesus, but a woman prayed for me specifically that God would save me and sent me. A woman lived near my high school where everybody was talking about me, and her prayers changed my life. She sent me a Gospel of John, and that prepared my heart for a one-night meeting March 3rd. 55, the old Madison Square Garden with Billy Graham, just a one-night stand. And, of course, he called people to repent and to believe and called people to come forward, which I did. And Jesus met me and his Holy Spirit met me. And as I said in a recent blog, first book I read was Peace with God, and I've known that Peace with God these all these years, of course, and much more. But I immediately, in an amazing way, had a passion to share my faith because everybody knew me in the high school. They came to listen, and many, many in my high school came to Christ. This gave me a lot of sort of faith, and soon I was evangelizing door to door and in New York City, and then I went off to college where I met a lifetime friend, Dale Rotan, and... Uh, we went off to Mexico the next summer, and we saw that God could use us even in a little short trip, three of just three of us, a long way to drive. And that became the seed, the birthplace of Operation Mobilization, who had its, it was called Send the Light back then. We didn't have OM. OM is a, our European name. And actually, Operation Mobilization was born more, more right here in Great Britain. 60 years ago. Well, three of us went to Mexico in 57, and since then, 200,000 have served with OM around the world, and about 25,000 of them are in leadership with all different churches, all different groups. And one of the joys of my senior years, I'm not so mobile, and is to get letters from these emails from people all over the world whose lives were changed. And there's a, an amazing book, especially about 23 years of overland travel. These students from Cambridge and Oxford and all over the UK traveled to India in trucks. It was the craziest decision I ever made to send all these people. I actually went in one of them. <laughs> and uh, it led to the birth, actually, of the ship ministry. Wow. As I saw, you know, the, someday these land... Roots are going to close. We need to. We need to have a, a ship. That's a whole separate story, which is born out of the India story. And, and since then, we've had five different ships. We just got a new ship in Penang, and uh, the ships have given the gospel to about 100 million. Over 45 
up the gangways. After we lived in India and helped get all the work born there, we moved on to the ship. So anyway, it's it's a long story since then, and we just give God all the thanks. <laughs> we do indeed. Wonderful. So you you are not from a believing family. You were from a stable family. Yeah. And a lady, you see, a lady was praying for you. Did you did you you spoke with her afterwards? You told her afterward, yeah, but not not before. <laughs> and her son went to the high school, and he was he was praying for me. He was sort of a model. He worked together with her to somehow get me into the kingdom. And she gave you a gospel of John. Sent it through the post, and uh, around that time, I was just nibbling at the world of pornography. But I'm glad that I laid that aside and went into the gospel of. Uh, Gospel of John. Yeah, and Billy Graham, Madison Square Garden in New York City. Yeah. Wow. And he, pre- he preached Christ, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> straightforward gospel, for God so loved the world. You know, the Bible says, the Bible says. Yeah. And it impacted me that what he was saying was similar to what I was reading in the Gospel of John. Outstanding, yeah. And, of course, the Gospel of John, oh, isn't it adorable? Was it, was it Augustine who said, a child can paddle in it and an elephant can swim in it? Amen. And, and you went on with friends down to Mexico. Now, you say you saw fruitfulness in Mexico. Can you tell us what happened? Well, the first trip was very short. I don't think we could say we saw a lot of trip, but that, but that was the seed. And it was the second summer, 1958, that we were more organized. We had more literature ready, and we were there for a much longer, longer time. Mm. Mm. And, of course, people were coming to Jesus in an amazing way in Mexico. Mm-hmm. At that time. Okay, so Billy Graham, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. You have established this movement, this missionary movement. Is there a, a strategy that you were immediately persuaded of early on? Is there a, something you learned which you said, this is how we got to multiply this? No, it was all one step at a time. I, my deepest conviction was that prayer was the way to take things forward. And the second was that you know, everybody should be sharing their faith. They don't need to go to Mexico. They need to be sharing their faith uh, wherever they are. And then I was, I was very strong on the disciplined and victorious life. So we immediately started distributing books like Calvary Road. And then I wrote the book Revolution of Love. So the transformation of people's personal life to become like Christ was a greater priority than the work and I think that has been very, very important and has enabled us to keep feeding on great Christian books that, that from different viewpoints, which has enabled the movement to stay interdenominational and therefore get you know, open doors with a wide range of, of churches mm. uh, literally all over the world. Mm. Our organization, Christian Heritage London, we have that advantage that London's church heroes, they're everyone's heroes. Yeah. And, and they're not just Spurgeon the Baptist, John Newton the Anglican, you know, they're not just Wesley the Methodist, you see. These people, everyone loves these people. And you may not be from the same background, but you know Spurgeon's on my team. I don't really care which building I'm going to so much as he loves Jesus. Amen. And so who are the people who became friends of yours from history? First of all was Billy Graham. Then there were so many, many others. Of course, C.T. Studd, who founded WEC. His biography influenced me when I was a baby Christian. The most influential person, however, was Dr. Oswald J. Smith, who in his day wrote 40 books 
was the greatest mission mobilizer of the last century, a Canadian who was the pastor of a growing church. And at the same time, half of all the money from that church went into missions. He birthed the Faith Missions fundraising. We eventually got to know one another, but it was his book, Passion for Souls, that really moved me. Mm. And his section about Afghanistan really helped birth our work because I didn't want to start another mission that was already doing the same thing. But when I read about Afghanistan and then I researched Iraq and uh, Iran, I realized there's a bunch of nations that are really uh, left out. And so that was the thing that pushed me into allowing a new movement uh, to, to be born. Only in Europe, after I got arrested by the Soviets, because the Soviet Union was in our was in our little package, and I sent my best friend Turk to Turkey, and uh, I in the summer of '61 went Soviet Union. I was soon arrested and uh, thrown out. Went for a day of prayer, and that's where God gave me the name Operation Mobilization, and the vision that Europeans were going to be the ones to launch into the Middle East in these places that were just burning on my heart. But by that time, I was living in Spain, which was semi-closed, and I had learned Spanish. And then I was invited literally 61 years ago to come and speak at a conference here in Swanick. Interesting people were, were there, including Lindsay Glegg. There was huge response from my message. So soon I had invites you know, all over the country, and uh, God mobilized 200 for the next summer and 2,000 for the next summer. And, of course, it's continued ever since. Mm. So it, it evolved, and many other people influenced me along the way. Mm. A man named Ralph Shallis, not so well-known in the Western world. And later, when I moved to India, in a, to the amazement of missionaries, the famous Buck Singh became a close friend, opened all kinds of doors, which is what— led eventually to the huge work of OM in India today. India now is converted into a church movement. We've got about a 1,000 churches and 100 schools, hmm. clinics. It's all under our Indian leadership, and technically it's now separate from OM. But mm -hmm. I have the joy of still being involved daily mm. with India, trying to raise money mm. for Indian language Bibles. Mm. So many believers have no no. Bible. So that's another uh, passion mm. that every believer at least has a copy mm. of the Word of God. So your priority is not so much strategic as tri transformation through Christ. Yes. Transformation through Christ. And everything else comes from that. Prayer, uh, discipleship, and yeah. so on. How do you envisage discipleship? Well, he's another man who influenced our movement. Until he met OM, he was just very much into the brethren. And O.M. really changed the life of a man named William McDonald, president of the famous Emmaus Bible School. Mm -hmm. And he wrote the book, True Discipleship, partly influenced by these students he saw actually living the life mm. of disciples, especially when they were taking these Mexican trips. So, mm. you know, later on, we, we, we didn't agree on everything. But that's always been part of O.M.'s philosophy and I wrote about it in, in this book, Graciously Disagreeing, Pressing On, which is actually taken from Charles Swindoll book. Mm -hmm. And Swindoll's another, through his writings, major, major influence, mm. helping me make 
a major turn away from uh, more the old, more judgmental type of Christianity, which which I I I had, and this is my most honest book where I show how from my childhood, because of my culture and the way the church was in the fifties, I had this toxic factor. So God was using me, but people were getting hurt. Mm. And especially when I got married, and uh, I just all my books are owned now by the Roy Hessian Trust, which will be called the Verwer Hessian Trust in the future. So mm-hmm. I hope my legacy will go on th- through these books going mm-hmm. out. Mm. So it's the Messiology book is the first you're mentioning, but the second is Toxic Perfectionism. It's fascinating. You're describing people who were influential as they saw as they saw and it reminds me of wesley as he comes back from america and he's terrified on the sea but he saw the peace that the moravians had and when he saw that it meant that when peter bowler says come come listen and he heard luther's teaching that you can be saved not by what you do but by what a glorious savior does for you and he says my heart was strangely warmed my heart was strangely warmed it's through seeing someone. It's through yeah. seeing someone. Someone's a someone's example, which is so, so yeah. vital. Did anyone help you to understand how to be discipled? Did anyone take you under their wing? I was influenced by so many people. Right. That's one of the uh, things that makes OM such a unique cocktail. Um, we were fanatic readers. <laughs> yes, and reading widely. You know, Hudson Taylor on one side, C.T. Studd on the other side. We're greatly influenced by a woman named Eugenia Price, who wrote about grace. Uh, she was a professional writer. Make love your aim, because of this toxic factor, whatever you want to call it, our human sinfulness. We constantly had to be brought back to the cross, brought mm. back to the cross. Mm. Philip Yancey's another great uh, influence in, in you know in the last 20 or mm. 30 years we've become friends mm-hmm. and uh, John Piper mm. um, somehow though I'm not a five-point Calvinist John let me speak to his pastors and I had a great uh, I had a great uh, great response and the often these people like uh, I've just mentioned become friends and we do eventually get to meet together especially some of them used to come to the ship. Stuart Briscoe, another man that that influenced me. Uh-huh. On and on I could go. Yeah. But the, what's interesting is so many of these people, you look at Studd, you look at Taylor, you even look at Piper, there's this rich devotional stream running through them. Amen. You're not just describing people who are technically accurate. You're describing people who, when you think of them and you read of them, your heart is warmed. Amen. And this is this is something which you've carried and yeah. you've, you've prized. And I pray my in these tough years with my health problems that my heart will continue to be warmed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well. That's that's the promise we have, isn't it? The promise. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Yeah. He says. Isn't it a great gospel? Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Excellent. Okay, so so people who have influenced you, who you've met, did you actually spend time with Billy Graham? Yeah, we met when I was speaking at the Great Urbana Conference, which is the greatest speaking opportunity I, I ever had. That great student convention, sometimes nineteen thousand gathered there, and um, 
We've always been linked with IFES, InterVarsity, Christian Union. And so I got to speak there on four occasions. And one night we were, we were together and we had our first really good fellowship. And then later I visited him in his home when he, when he, wasn't, he wasn't well. And I'm very linked with his, grand, his grandson, Stefan Shavidian, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Amazing, amazing story. Yeah. Well, this is the fact. If you sat down with most Christians, I wonder what proportion of them would say, well, the reason I'm a Christian is because someone got converted, who got converted, who got converted for a, at a Billy Graham event. I mean, I could say it. Oh, yeah. See, my dad is converted at a, after his sister gets converted after a girl who went and heard... Billy Graham, you see. Hallelujah. This is it. And I, I, I've sometimes, I give people tours in the city of London, and I yeah. take them through the great stories of what God has done. And I've sometimes said, who here could say Billy Graham? You could trace the, the line back to yeah. Billy Graham. And you think, what's beautiful about that is there's something about uh, organic life. You see, hasn't God made creation mm. in such a way that you have fruit coming out? And fruit has seeds in it, Hallelujah. which brings forth fruit which brings forth fruit. And we see, so you started and you got hundreds of thousands of people. Mm. And all it is, is, well, that's what, that's how God made things. Yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful. Huh? Thank you. Yes. Wonderful. Now, George, it'd be good to ask you, and this is a question I ask all guests, which is, what are you up to at the moment? But that is an unusual question in your case. To be honest, my passion now is, is to go to heaven. Um, I know some people want to live these, you know, in nineties into a hundred that is not my goal. I God very much spoke to me when I was in hospital that I've done my part and he, he wants me home. So I've been working on that and found out it's actually quite difficult. But I've got involved in the Bromley health care and I'm getting advice about, you know, the final months or years. But meanwhile, I want to make every day count, which is... Possible because I have a PA and a CFO and a wife who are all on the team. Hmm. I have this weekly YouTube which goes around the world. It's every other week now. But I'm still in touch with about 1,000 people through email and personal letters, which has always been a major part of my ministry, sending people personal letters. I've sent quite a few to your dad (laughs) and... uh, had a few answers. <laughs> so they're always there, but I don't always have the uh, the strength. I just get sleepy very quickly. So uh, every day is a bit tough because it's so different. And uh, at the same time, I seem to be able to accomplish. I'm still very much into raising funds. And in the past month, I've seen a, an increase of income, which I I personally oversee how those gifts uh, are used. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a board that is it's a separate part of OM they let me keep when I stepped down 20 years ago. And it's been a huge, huge blessing. We give away about, about one million pounds a year, and a lot of it is very strategic, especially Bibles for Africa, Bibles for India. And we just have such a tremendous... Network, because we we've been in there a long time. We know a lot of people. Yes, we can make things happen. Mm. So, for me, if I keep on like this, it's win. 
But if I go to heaven, it's wind. So uh, even though I don't always feel great, I'm still in a win-win situation. <laughs> it's like Paul, isn't it? He's like, what is it? How did Paul put it? I don't know if I should stay or if I should go, but it's better for you if I stay. And but if, if, for me to live is Christ. The yeah, I've read gain. those verses many times. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Bless God for that. There's a beautiful perspective on this. You don't want just to prolong it. You want to yes, better be with the Lord. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when did you get the news that this was this was coming along? I had an emergency call to go to the hospital because my blood was something was wrong, and. Um, <laughs> It was only in the hospital when I uh, told this doctor, you know, I've, I felt this lump in my tummy for a long time. He felt it and he said, wow. So immediately he had me sent for a scan and quickly I was getting a biopsy and they discovered the whole growth is sarcova cancer. That can't really be treated, but generally people don't die from that. More likely, my heart in the end, combination of things. But uh, what a joy to know we're, you know, we're ready. Bless God. We're ready. Yeah, amen. So it's led to a new phase of life and, and having lots of contact with my children. My daughter is very much my sort of power of attorney. She lives in Tunbridge. Her name is Krista. My wife has released me in the sense that she's willing to see me go, though, of course, it, it'll be difficult. Mm-hmm. John Newton said, he said at the end, he says, look, I know I'm a great sinner, but Christ is a great savior. Amen. This is, this is great news. So finally, George, may I ask you, and I know you don't like it, but can I ask you, what advice would you <laughs> give to people who are listening to this? Well, my advice has always been the same, t- to be totally surrendered on a daily basis to the Lord. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto him. Be transformed. So it's surrender has to, in many ways, be a daily thing. And, and that includes me now. Mm. There's many ways to express it. Stay close to Jesus. Be quick to repent. And uh, don't neglect the word of God. And... And also understand radical grace that you may fail, but he still loves you and he wants to use you. Failure can be the back door to success. Mm. So, And hasn't it been in history so many times? I bet you've seen a few stories where you thought, oh, it hasn't worked. And look at this, a beautiful yeah. flourishing. And there's thousands and thousands of untold stories <laughs> of people that never got known, but they're... It's all written in heaven. Amen, it is. Yeah. It's been wonderful to have this time with you, George. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And thank you so much for your great example, prioritizing personal transformation with Jesus and then everything else proportionately following that. Yeah. Bless you, George. Thank you. For more episodes of the Christian Heritage London podcast and for information on Christian Heritage London events, tours and walks, please go to christianheritagelondon.org.